0: Well, I have a very great joy today and, and uh to be here with you all. This this wonderful feast day of Christmas we've been preparing for four weeks and we have finally arrived at the beautiful feasts of our Savior and His His Nativity. But in particular, this feast pertains to the mystery of the incarnation of God and it is a a time for us today to meditate and to see if we can enter more deeply into this great mystery the mystery of the incarnation in this mystery are seen two attributes of God and this mystery in, in a wondrous and wise way reconciles these two and balances these two attributes of God. On the one hand we have God's justice and on the other hand we have God's love. These two attributes of God are seen very clearly in the mystery of the incarnation. First let's talk about justice of God as demonstrated or seen in the Incarnation. God, from all eternity, just like we hear in our Gospel in the beginning, from all eternity God foresaw the entrance of sin into human history, and from all eternity God freely determined in Himself that He would graciously save man from that sin, from sin, from his sin. But not only did God determine to save man from sin, He determined to save man from sin in a particular way. He determined to save man by exacting, and this is important here, this was the particular way that God decided to save man. He decided to save man from sin by exacting an adequate atonement or satisfaction, or, if you will, in layman's terms, a payback. An adequate payback for man's sins. Now, this decision, though, on God's part, created a sort of dilemma, if you will, in in the divine mind from all eternity. And there were two horns to this dilemma. On the one hand, who could possibly make... An adequate or a sufficient payback or atonement to God. The guilt of sin, of human sin, and sometimes we very much fail to appreciate the gravity of sin, but the guilt of sin is measured by the dignity or the worth of the one who is offended by it. Now if sin is an offense against God, God is of infinite Dignity, infinite majesty. Therefore man's sin put him in an infinite debt to God. That's the gravity of sin. How could man ever pay off such a debt? Man is only finite. He doesn't have the ability in himself to pay off an infinite debt because he's only finite. Only God himself could make such a compensation or a payback for the debt of sin. Only God can appease God in a fully adequate manner. Well, but this immediately runs us into the other horn of the dilemma. And that is, if God himself wanted to make an adequate atonement for man's sin he would need to suffer the consequences of sin. If God were to pay off the debt of man's sin, he would have to be able to suffer the punishments due to sin. But this is a problem because God is infinitely blessed and happy and in himself, in his divine nature, absolutely incapable of, Suffering. So we've got two horns of the dilemma. On the one hand, who but God could possibly make an adequate compensation or payback for the debts of man's sin? On the other hand, God cannot suffer. And so from all eternity, in between the horns of this dilemma, appeared an all wise and perfect solution. And that is what we celebrate today, my brothers and sisters, the incarnation of God. From all eternity, God determined in himself to become a man, and so be able to suffer and to make satisfaction for man's sin. This is the mystery of the Incarnation. And this is what we celebrate today. This is what we heard in our Gospel texts when St. John declares with holy solemnity, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Son of God took up into Himself a fully human nature, uniting it to his divine nature in the unity of his one divine person, and thereby God became able to suffer, and thus able to make atonement for the sin of man. And so hidden behind Christmas is Easter. Christmas makes Easter possible. Christmas in a way it enshrouds in itself. The other mystery, the mystery of the atonement, affected on Mount Calvary through the passion of our Savior Jesus Christ. And so, the darkness of that night in Bethlehem, in which our Savior was born, anticipated, if you will, the darkness that came over all the land of Israel from noon until three o'clock, when Christ was crucified. When Mary laid her newborn, bathed in the wood of the manger in that stable in Bethlehem, she anticipated the Roman soldiers who laid Christ on the wood of the cross. The biting cold that pierced the flesh of the infant Christ that chilly night in Bethlehem anticipated the sharp nails that would pierce his flesh. Him to the cross. Yes, this is a revelation of God's justice. The Incarnation has as its motive the justice of God. But it has more than that behind it as motivation. More profoundly than the justice of God, in the Incarnation we behold His love. And that's the other attribute of God that we see in the Incarnation. Yes, it is true, God decided to make an adequate atonement for sin and so satisfy His justice, but more profoundly, the Incarnation is a revelation of His love. Because God didn't have to make atonement for sin in that manner. The justice of the cross was not strictly necessary. And this is how we penetrate even more deeply into the mystery of the Incarnation. It is an amazing thing to think about that God could have saved mankind from his sin in a different manner than, than the one that he actually did choose to save him through. He could have remitted man's sin and just left it at that. He could have sent us a final prophet who declared to us God's promise to forgive and restore his friendship to all who repent. That would have been perfectly possible. Alternatively, God could have accepted in compensation for the sin of man the sufferings of a mere human being who would have thereby made an inadequate atonement. God was free to do that. The one who forgives is free to set the terms and conditions of forgiveness. But God, in fact, did neither of these things. Out of his love, he freely chose the more difficult way. He decided freely that he himself would save man by means of a fully adequate atonement. If this would require him to become man, so as to be able to suffer for us, so be it. This was what he freely chose to do for us, out of love. This freedom and this love is what Christmas is all about. When we look upon the babe in the manger, let us remember the man on the cross. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but might have eternal life. This Christmas, let us respond in kind to the love that God has shown us in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us respond to God's love. Let us give ourselves to God and to our neighbor, freedom and in love.